Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. I'm Damien. I'm Andy. I'm Sam. And what we do each and every episode is we take a uh, film from a popular streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and others. And once we've all seen it, we come in here and we talk about it. And essentially trying to decide whether you guys as busy parents or business owners or what have you should invest the time in watching it, given how much stuff is out there. So, Sam, what are we discussing this week? We are discussing uh, Heat, the uh, 1995 action movie starring Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, um, which is a, a kind of a, a classic face-off movie between the the, uh, the cop and the professional criminal, uh, kind of bank heists, lots of gunfights, lots of dysfunctional, awful rail, male role models um, and such. Um, yeah, so quite a um, quite an old uh, an old one, twenty five years old. Um, this movie, and I guess it'd be interesting to start off with and just maybe discuss our, you know, first impressions of this. Maybe when we first watched it before. I mean, I assume we're all coming at this having watched this film previously. Is that right? No, this wasn't the first watch for for any of us. Correct. Yeah, I first watched this when I was in college. I think I was sixteen, and one of my college lecturers recommended it to me. Um, and I watched it with some other students, and you know, just it was at that point was a complete revelation for me in terms of films. I think it was very iconic at the time. I was studying um, on an acting course, and so thought that that's where my life was going to head, my trajectory. And so for me, it was, you know, a masterclass in acting from some of the world's best. And, you know, I, I, I must have watched it five times, I think, over the space I was in college. For me, I was a bit younger. Um, it, it was released in 95. So when it was released, I was 10 years old. And I think I caught it two or three years later on VHS because my at that point in time, my parents, my sisters, we would go to the, the local video store and uh, we would pick one film for the adults and one film for the family. We'd watch the family one during the day. And then when we were in bed, the adults would... Uh, would watch the, the older one. But this was one of those, for some reason, that my parents allowed all of us to watch odd choice for the family i know so i you know typically back then what are we talking it would be released in cinema and then vhs would come something like two years later so i probably caught this in 97 uh 98 and i was bored to tears i was definitely too young to watch this <laughs> for me it felt really long and that nothing really happened but i think that's because I, I wasn't really old enough at that point in time to kind of grasp the emotional kind of thing that was going on. I just didn't, I didn't get it. I was like, this is what adults watch. I'm so over adult films. I'll go back to my, my family stuff. Give me, I don't know, Hercules on uh, you know, the, the animation at any point. I, I, I was bored to You keep saying adult films. It's uh, completely, <laughs> in, in my headspace, that was a completely different context. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, how about uh, rated rated 18? Actually, is this an 18 or a 15? Oh, I actually don't I, know. I think it is an 18. Yeah, I think. Um, I would have to double check. But yeah, I, I similar, well, I, I'm probably kind of partway between the two. Uh, I, I remember... Um, like back in the day, my parents would always get the radio times and I would always go through like the film section and just see what I wanted to tape off TV because I just wanted to watch as many films as I possibly could. And this was one of those ones where it was on like 
I don't know, like middle of the night or something. And I'd seen it, it was like highly reviewed. So I thought, yeah, that looks cool. I'm going to tape that. So I had, yeah, taped it off the TV and watched it with the old, uh, with the, um, uh, with the ad breaks and all that. Um, and yeah, I, I, it most de- not that I want to give anything away, definitely left an impression on me then. I guess that probably then, I know we were just discussing this before we, before we kicked off. Does it stand the test of time for you guys, or does it feel like a 25-year-old movie? Before we get to that point, Sam, um, where did you find a VHS long enough to record <laughs> and the other? <laughs> yeah, this is wonderful. I think I had like I think I had like a long uh, a long play uh, video or something. Maybe, maybe what I had to do was I had to set set an, an alarm. And then come down and switch over the video so that I didn't right. miss anything. Absolutely. Was, wasn't yeah. there an option back in the day with VHS where you could do long records? So it would record it at like half the pace or something? Or am I, am I making that up? Where it would slow Maybe. down the tape going around and it would record it slower. Possibly. But you had to play it at a certain speed to get it to play on the TV at normal speed so that you could get twice the amount of recording out of like a three hour VHS. I'm sure that was a thing. That seems perfect. Whatever way it was. Yeah. I'm I'm just being silly. I just, it's (laughs) a long film. For for those of you who don't know what a VHS is, you're probably too young. Yeah. You're too young to watch this film. That's for sure. Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. Oh, technology. So going back to what you were saying, though, it has its success time. I I don't remember watching this film. So at 16, that was two thousand and i reckon i saw it was 2002 2003 maybe 2004 i'm not sure no, 2003 probably so this film at the time was eight years old um it didn't feel old when i watched it it felt just like any other film i would watch at the time watching it back this week it has aged it feels like the kind of I was about to say it feels like the Con Air, but it even feels older than that kind of Con Air type film. I, I don't know what it is about. It feels to me, if I didn't know when it was released, I'd, I would say it was released in the 80s. That's the kind of feel it has to me. That's interesting. I, I think oh, the, sorry, Sam, yeah. I think it's, um, it's probably because it is, for the most part, like a serious film. And I think maybe something like Con Air, something that's like, that's a good example of like something that's sort of tongue in cheek is at the same time, it kind of fits into that sort of, you know, we are watch you know, watch this with a bit of irony sort of thing, mm. just over the top. Whereas I think, um, I think uh, Heat is definitely played to be a serious movie. Um, and therefore maybe some of the parts of it that, don't play as well or when there's inadvertently some I don't know humor because you're thinking oh man this is for me one of the things that stood out was some of the music especially in the sort of like romantic scenes or whatever was (laughs) real like cheesy kind of saxophone yeah that that stood out to me and be like oh you wouldn't hear that in in a movie nowadays yeah not unless you try to do it ironically Val Kilmer's ponytail was what did it for me. That was just, oh, man. hey, get a haircut. Come on. You've got a <laughs> mop on your head. Now, this, this, is, this is an interesting one for Val Kilmer because he started his career as the up-and-coming kind of like Hollywood man. You know, he was really handsome. He could act. You can't deny that he could act. 
And then, oh, oh come on. I, okay, you're right. safe. At, you can't see it. Right, next time, next time you watch this film, next time you go back and watch Heat, right? Yeah. And bearing in mind, this week I only watched half of it. Okay, <laughs> go back and count the amount of times Val Kilmer. Now, if you're listening to this, you can't see what I'm doing, okay? Um, but I will explain in a moment. How many times <laughs> does he do this? Are you ready? <laughs> and he just, that was me looking gormless, okay? That's what he does. He's not a good actor at oh. all. He just oh. looks in directions at I, people. I beg to differ. What about the classics like Batman Forever? Um, <laughs> right, right, up right. my point entirely. <laughs> oh, see, me, me, on that note, my sister and I, we were having a, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. Um, my my youngest sister and I, I remember years ago, we were having a conversation about which the uh, what the best Batman was. And I'm, I still think it's Val Kilmer. I, th- I thought he was bloody perfect for the role. <laughs> I and thought that's he was all for this week, folks. Damien. So Fine. yeah, I, I, I've literally completely discredited anything I say from here on in forever. You absolutely have. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's 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 work on the assumption that Val Kilmer is a very average actor. Then I still thought he <laughs> and he still didn't like. He's not even average, Damo. He's he's just he's rubbish. fine. He's fine. He's acceptable. He's fine. Um, I this, this this for me is kind of like the turning point in his career. There's not much beyond this film where he makes an impression at all. Like this, this is this is a big. Um, now I don't know if it was supposed to be a big film at the time, but you'd have to be living under a rock in film circles to have never seen or heard of this film. That's how big this is. Well, and and this this is the type of thing he used to star in, but then it just kind of went off a cliff for him. And I understand that a lot of that is probably because he's very difficult to work with. But this is kind of like the turning point to his career in a bad I, I way. Think this film, for anybody who's in it, is kind of a, a major jackpot, really. For anyone outside of Pacino and De Niro, if you got a spot acting in this film, you know, you're being directed by Michael Mann. You're being you're acting alongside two of the greatest actors ever, you know, and... It, for anyone, this is a major win. Anyone at all. And actually, mm. what I didn't realise, so bearing in mind, I probably haven't watched this since 2006, 2007 was probably the last time I watched it. So when I was watching it back, I was amazed at the amount of faces I was seeing in there. Yeah. So um, John Voigt, for instance, I didn't realise he was... A, and I, when I say I didn't realise he was in it, obviously I recognised that he was somebody, but I just, as mm. I've kind of gotten more into films, I recognise who they were. Yeah. Um, but Hank Azaria, and I think maybe like, that, yeah, that, that really, as I watched it back, I was like, oh my god, that's Hank Azaria. Like, I knew who the character was, but I didn't really make that connection as to who he was in real life. And I think someone else, uh, again, who plays one of the supporting cast, um, Danny Trio, I think might have been one of his yeah, earlier, Danny and he's Trio. kind of like a yeah. he's, he plays, yeah, he's got a, kind of a solid action sort of career, so yeah, he plays himself. His, his character's called Trio. Nice. I didn't. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you've there's got a lot, um, some really Ashley, Ashley Judd as well, who's had again a very mixed career, but a very, very well-known actress these days. Yeah. Or maybe in the two thousands, not so much yeah. the twenty twenties and onwards. Um, but yeah, there's there's loads of people who back then were kind of either up and coming or well established. And the up and coming ones, this could very easily have been like the jumping off point for their career. Because yeah, you're absolutely right. They're they're with absolute giants of acting, which I don't think has ever really been captured since. Like there have been films with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro playing off of each other, and it's never been done in this way. 
Well, th this is interesting. So actually, this is the first film where um, Pacino and De Niro appear in the same scene. So I'm correct. I actually don't know which one. I can't remember if it's Godfather 2 or 3. They appear in that together. Do either of you know? I can't remember. I think it's number two. Sure. I can't remember. I see. I think it's three off my head. But either way, um, <laughs> they uh, appear in that together, but not in the same scene. Mm. Uh, whereas this is the first film where they appear in the same scene together. And I think that's really, mm. you know, quite, that's a major selling point, especially for me, someone yeah. who's really into my kind of good quality method actors at this point. That was a huge selling point for me was, you know, this mm. these clash of the titans kind of um, really, it's a major selling point. Yeah. And, and I have to say that is a, that is a standout scene. The, the the diner scene it's just yeah the the tension between them just the way that they sort of this small talk there's so much there's so much subtext and then they just literally go in and it's like they're they're just basically laying everything out yeah that that for me is just one that sticks in my mind like love, yeah it's a great scene the camera work in that scene should we talk about that scene because i do think that's a really iconic yeah yeah absolutely um so the camera work in that scene for me is what really makes it. It's really, the camera is almost always moving and it's, it's, it's taking sides. As they're talking, the camera is taking sides with the, what they're saying. It's really smart. I, um... It's funny because the thing, the thing that stood out for me, probably this is what was the, um, the dialogue. Um, I just really enjoyed the way that they had those characters just letting it play out. There wasn't like a, you almost expect maybe Robert De Niro's character, um, Neil, to kind of, you know, push things forward. You know, he's, he's, he's been pulled over by, by this, this, in, this um, detective. And, you know, is he going to sort of say, well, come on, just, you know, let's get out. He just lets it play out. He, he, the humour's in. They, they talk about random things, like he's telling them about a dream, the dreams that they've had and things like that, as if they, they're just guys that know each other. And then, and then when they finally do sort of get into it and basically just lay everything out and say, you know, like, you know, brother, you are going down. That's a terrible impression. But um, you know, Brilliant. when you get to that, you're like, it's such, it's such a, a payoff. Right, I'm getting told to be quiet by my wife, and obviously, again, I'm getting too excited. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it, because you know, you know, it's going to have to happen, um, and and also then it's then the the setup for the inevitable face, you know, showdown, um, gunfight that's going to happen later on. Um, I just, yeah, that for me, uh, and also the sound. I, maybe it's something I didn't notice before. But the way that, um, and I could be wrong on this, maybe it's just how zoned in I was, but I'm sure that everything in the diner is kind of very much like played down. It's just dialogue. And then after they basically, you know, let each other know that they are going to, I'm going to shoot you if I have to, basically, despite the fact that I respect you. And then all the sound comes back up and it's like a weight is lifted and you hear the clinking of the cups and the knives and forks and stuff. Ah, it's such a great scene. It, it's a fantastic device to bring people in on the conversation like because it's the only thing that anyone is focusing on. Um, and, and it's the type of thing that um, Tarantino usually gets credit for. I don't think that Michael Mann got enough credit for that 
especially in these days, is like people say that Tarantino is the man when it comes to crafting dialogue and, and tension within dialogue when you could be talking about nothing. Um, and the two the two things that kind of spring to mind to prove that point in particular is is um, he uses it in uh, Inglorious Beastards um, with uh, oh, what's his name um, the the gent who plays the Nazi doesn't matter I who you mean I'm gonna I want to say yeah, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. yeah, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz yeah. and the dialogue and the way that he speaks and he could be talking about mm. absolutely anything, but he draws you in with how he's saying it. Michael Mann is doing exactly the same thing and, and it's done on an absolute masterclass level uh, because essentially it's two guys in a diner talking and the, the level of tension that is able to be um, built from just this conversation with the payoff at the end of the film is... Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. Do you reckon it's man's best work? I've seen some of his stuff. Not all, I'm not going to lie. So I haven't seen, uh, I think Black Hat was one that he did more yeah, recently. I heard that it didn't get very good reviews. It, it Actually, funny enough, Black Hat has just hit streaming platforms. So it might be one that I watch recent, uh, in the not-too-distant future. But of all the other things that I've seen, I... I yeah, I don't think that it's blown out of proportion. I think this is his best work. I think that it has a very good reputation for a damn good reason. I don't, I don't think it's just hype. No, I think it is his best work. And I think um, I think followed closely by something like Collateral, which mm. I think is, is almost like uh, filmed in a very... In, it's like he's taken the style of film from Heat, but made it modern in Collateral. And I think that that's really... Um, it works. I think it's very, very good. So, but I do think this is by far his best. Yeah. And I guess if we're talking again, standout scenes, and and this probably plays into you know, obviously this is an action movie. Um, we we go straight in with the uh, the the armed robbery um, at the start, and I guess one of the things that that if you haven't seen this film, you probably have seen it because you've probably seen other people pay homage to it or try and replicate that and in yeah. particular i'm thinking of um the dark knight um because the opening bank robbery yes. in dark knight yeah. is 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 pays so much uh, homage to um to this uh even down to the fact that it's got william william fincher yes as the the bank manager and and yeah and one thing probably just to, to point to say though i don't know about if you guys found this maybe maybe again maybe it's just my tv I was literally pumping the volume down for the action scenes and then up for the the dialogue. You know, the, the dialogue because not necessarily because the dialogue was quiet, but because the action, like the, the gun the gunfights were so loud. I don't know if you guys found that or if you were just saying. No, I didn't really notice that. Maybe so. it's just me. No, I, I, I did. And I, I get it an awful lot with um, older films. Um, so, for instance, I watched another film from 1995 literally this morning whilst I was working and I had exactly the same issue. The dialogue was much quieter than the gunshots. Um, the film that I was watching was um, The Quick and the Dead, which is a Sam Raimi film released, I think, in the same year, 1995. And, yeah, the, the, the gunshots in the action seems incredibly piercing and loud comparatively speaking so with older films i find that i'm often switching volumes up and down i think it's just something to do with um the and the scales that they used back then 
you not think that might be intentional though the idea that Perhaps. when they're they're talking quietly they're drawing yeah. you in so you really have to listen and then to contrast that you know gunshots are loud so actually if they can make the soundtrack mm -hmm. louder i know with um oh man there was a what's the film where they a recent film sci-fi film where they go and basically bend space and time interstellar uh, um, oh that one yeah, yeah. I, oh it's i saw that in the cinema right and one minute you're you know sitting there listening to people talking it's normal volume the next a rocket's taken off and it feels like your head's being caved in yeah that was really you i noticed it so much during mm. that film and then when i came out i read something about it afterwards where it was saying that that was fully intentional because rockets are loud i was like yeah, yeah it makes cool. sense yeah yeah it makes sense blade runner um the the most recent one i, I, I always forget the date i always forget the date of the new blade runner film but blade runner no 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 no, no did exactly the same thing but they did it with music instead of with sound effects okay, cool. some of the music was incredibly loud especially in the cinema but it, yeah it added to it in a big way it was awesome so the um the heist the bank the, the bank heist um i did read that for that scene rather than use um sound effects for the gunshots they recorded that um the shot the gunshots live on set oh, wow. um to give it kind of a different sound which i think it really it does like you say andy that they, they, they it's loud it's really you can you get that kind of echo on it um and I, again that's another scene that is just it just is such a standout um action sequence and again the in terms of trivia i know that um in the states it's used as a, a i think there's um uh, the marines use have used that scene as an example of how you should retreat under fire no. um, and apparently apparently val kilmer was very pleased because he's he apparently was shown as a, an exemplary example of um reloading reloading a gun whilst being shot at or something like that but um yeah again uh, that yeah that that scene is um and it's really brutal as well because i think you kind of it's that switch for me it's that switching point of i know we've already seen at the start of the film them gun down some people in cold blood um but there's kind of been a fair bit of time elapsed from that we've only really seen bad guys fighting bad guys um and then you get this point where these guys literally in cold blood uh, shooting cops civilians it's it's and yeah it's quite impactful in that sense you think oh wow there's no going back for them from from this mm. um but yeah it is um it's an incredible scene i think all the action scenes are really good in this film um i'm just going to go back to the opening sequence because i think that's just brilliant as the one of the things I really like about it is the kind of the the contrast between that massive truck as the, that they're using and then they kind of they cut between that and it being kind of nice and calm and then all of a sudden it all just kicks off and it just feels it feels like a John Woo very kind of mid 90s brilliant action film and then I think what this film does well is it kind of it mixes that um really and I think brutal is the right word there that brutal action with emotion and storyline which so much mm. you know when we look at action films from the mid 90s early 2000s so many of them lack that actual storyline you know that the narrative it's you know we're just going to blow some stuff up and steal some stuff and beat the bad guys or whatever this is you know you really you're invested in these characters on all sides which i think is really 
interesting. I think that's a great point. The fact that you mentioned John Woo um, and and the early nineties, it's I think it's because a lot of action films back then are still reeling off of the success of the eighties action genre. Like the eighties was big for over the top action. Um, and, and the more creative the, the kill or the bigger the explosion, the better the film's going to be. And you can see a lot of that moving into the early 90s, but then it kind of eventually dies out. Um, the action is still there, but it becomes a lot more stylized. Um, and so I, I love the fact that I think John Woo's a, a perfect example. It brings the tension of like John Woo action. And we're talking old John Woo before ridiculous amounts of wire work took over his films. Um, but it bases it in realism. And I think that's where the difference is between this film and other action films yeah. is that it, 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 it feels real. And I think when you take the characters as well, the, everyone is dysfunctional. I don't, I don't, you, I don't know if you can point to maybe some of the, maybe some of the, um, the supporting characters, maybe. Uh, but the, when you, when you take the, the two main characters, you know, despite the fact that one's on the good side, one's on the bad side, essentially, uh, they're both, they're, you know, they, they have uh, compromised everything else in their lives for their career, essentially for their profession, um, and and that's, and it's, it's basically which one of them is going to break um uh in in the face of that um and i think yeah you see that in in al pacino's character and the way that his marriage is sort of crumbling around around him it's and, third uh, marriage, and the way it? that uh de niro's character yeah third marriage and the way that de niro's character is sort of holding on to this kind of fallacy that he can have a relationship despite the fact and it, it's that whole thing of like it's like a, a, a um uh that um I'm, I'm, uh, losing losing my ability to think of words um but he he sets it up for himself early in the film doesn't he it's about saying you know don't have any attachments that you can't walk away on in one minute flat or whatever and obviously spoiler alert that's what he has to face uh, yeah. later on in in the movie and i think it's a little bit old and tired these days but it was probably still very fresh back in 95 but the two characters are essentially the same person it's just that one happens to be working on the side of the law and the other one is working on the side of uh outlaw i don't know um it's it, it's a late tuesday here folks mm. we're losing our words but yeah it, these days it's tired trope <laughs> but back and it was done really well in this film but they are essentially the same character they just happen to be on different sides yeah i don't know if that was done really well i'm really sorry Dave. I'm Did you know? oh, no, I thought, I'll, I'll be quiet but I, I thought i loved it anyway yeah no I, I, this is i think this is a personal gripe more more so than anything um so i I think you're right. Obviously, they are both the same characters on, on, on different sides of the law. I think at times it felt like you were being signposted. Look, they're both as bad as one another. They've both got this issue going on. And at times it is just kind of like roll your eyes. And I, maybe that's just me watching it back all these years later. I don't know. Having had that kind of that buffer of films that have kind of taken this trope and moved with it. Um, so it might be that. I, I certainly don't remember thinking that, remember th that I was thinking that when I watched the first time around. But when I did watch this time, I was like, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah, they are the same. You know, they've obviously, these two guys, they're basically living parallel lives, but on, you know, different sides of the law. Oh, yeah, right, okay. I don't know, it felt a bit, 
No, I, th- I think you make a, I think you make a legit argument. Honestly, um, you're right, and and I, I, I don't have an answer for you. I don't know if it is the fact that we're 25 years later and we have seen this trope mm. so many times in so many films that watching it now, it is, it's tired. It's been done to death. Well, I, I don't know. I, I came with it. I almost the last time I watched it, I started to read in more things that I hadn't thought about before. Um, especially, and I want to say he's called Vincent um, Pacino's character, um, especially about him in regards to the fact that he is, from what I could tell, a homicide detective. Um, and uh, maybe part of it is that, that, that it's a long film, so they don't necessarily have time to go into it. But it feels like there's more to the fact that, you know, he picks up this case when maybe, is it, is it a murder case? I'm not really sure. It seems like it's more of an armed robbery case or whatever. So he's got to fight for this case to be his. There's probably more to that. The fact that he, uh, you know, is, is kind of, you know, working all hours of the night. It seems like there's there's something there in terms of the fact that this guy probably should have, could have got promoted further and is, is actually, you know, stuck in this job um and um and yeah so so maybe i don't know i probably came at it i'm probably maybe more bringing that to it as opposed to necessarily being there for everyone to to, to find i think you've got something there sam um because you're right he fought for the case because he could tell from the three murders that the people that did this were professional not your everyday run-of-the-mill um you know bank heist or truck heist gone wrong um and he, from literally from minute one, from walking on, he he admired them for their professionalism, and he knew that this would be a case that he would enjoy. I don't think we got enough of that. I think we should have seen a bit more of um, Pacino's character, kind of like fall over himself and and his addictions to trying to catch these people because he admired them so much. I mean, you, you got kind of like a, a sense of the fact that he was enjoying the case because they were clever and he really liked the challenge. I, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of him just, and this is going to sound weird, I'd like to see a bit more of him destroying his own life through the obsession of trying to catch these people that he admired so much. We see it with the with his marriage, but maybe there's part of that that I don't know. I kind of, you kind of, for me kind of felt from straight off that yeah okay we know that that's going out the window like straight away again in terms of like signposting that was like they're going to break up done we know that's coming that's probably on that side and maybe the whole like uh you know cop criminal you know they respect one another it's maybe if you're watching it now it would seem like really played out and really cliche like i'm thinking of like in anchorman when um that's interesting when the character says i hate you ron burgundy but damn it i respect you <laughs> and, it, and it like if you're watching it now without having seen it before that might feel a little bit kind of tired i love that the only place in the world where you're going to find anchorman and heat compared to each other <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's no you you make a, a great point you're absolutely spot on yeah it's difficult isn't and it? I, and- watching a film that's 25 years old and we don't know what is What's fresh then and what's fresh now are very different things. But, and what's interesting is that um, previously on our reviews, I, I'm sure, Damo, there's one thing that's going to set you off and literally make you lose your mind is a really long film. That is like an unforgivable sin for you. 
Um, uh, it, it but we're now be. talking about that there could be more in heat, which is pretty much no, three hours long. Be... Yeah. <laughs> Again, I'll hold my hands up. You know, I when we we suggested watching this, I only managed to get around to watching up to the point where um, De Niro is pulled over by Pacino, so just before the um, the cafe scene where they're, they're talking. So, and even that felt like I'd watched a whole film at that point. You know, it is long, this film, really long. We did, um, now I, I cannot, I'd have to check the backlog, which is awesome to be able to say that we have one. Um, but did we put to recording um, the most recent Scorsese uh, film that's four hours long on Netflix? We keep we keep on mentioning yeah. that the, it's the Irishman. We keep on mentioning oh, yeah. that we should watch it. And, and I've got halfway through that. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah. If you're talking about long, that is long. That's four hours long. I watched it in, in two or three sittings. I haven't got a box that's big enough for popcorn for that long. <laughs> but no, compare, I mean, you, I've, I'm just looking it up on IMDb now. Uh, yeah, two hours and 50 minutes. Um, and this is probably why I was bored back in 97 when I first watched it, because I didn't get any of the entertainment from the play between the characters. I wanted to see more gunfights. And in a three hour film, there's not actually an awful lot of action. There's a lot of cat and mouse and there's a lot of other stuff in terms of their personal relationships and what have you. But there's not an awful lot of action minute for minute compared to the three hour film that it is. And no, yeah, three hour film is a bit of a sin if it's done badly, if you're just putting waffle and filler in there. But no, I I didn't feel that this time around. I was sat there for two hours and 50 minutes. I didn't check my watch once. Oh, wow. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> Especially in this day and age with mobile phones, because that's the biggest thing, isn't it, with Netflix? But, and being distracted. But again, and I guess part of the whole, like focus of the podcast is that we um we recommend whether you should invest your time and maybe one of the challenges sometimes is that you will typically look at the the viewing time and think i'm not going to get into that i'm not going to start that and it is uh, it is an investment when you could watch something that's half half the time um, i think, I think so, this, yeah i think this is a challenge um when it comes to you know, if you're if you've got one evening and you're going to sit down and watch a film, I think this is a challenge. You know, once we've got the kids to bed and done all that stuff, do I realistically have nearly three hours to sit and watch a film? Maybe not. You know, it's it's mm. a commitment. So I had to I had to like plan it out really carefully in terms of like I made sure that we've got takeaway in. I made sure that you know if we started watching it at this point, it wouldn't be too like you know. I'd been really kind of kind and helpful throughout the day with my wife. So I'd built up a you know a certain level of brownie points that we could, you know, start the film and then her go, how long is it? And they go, well, we're into it now, so you don't need to worry about that. But the um, thing is, though, but Sam, yeah, I take it. Yeah. The fact that you had to go to all of that effort to watch a film, that's, you know, it's, it's effort. And actually, for me, film watching shouldn't be an effort. Film, and I know that if Matt was here, he might disagree with me. But for me, personally watching a film is a is a way of escaping and a way of kind of just in, it's pleasure it's enjoyment if i'm having to put that much planning and that much preparation into watching a film maybe i need to watch something I, shorter 
I should I put the, con- the context is that there's been a, there's been a few times that I've, I've said to my wife, let's um let's watch this because we're going to do it for the podcast. Um, and then we come out of it and we've been like, yeah, that wasn't really worth it. So I had to clarify that like, I have already watched this. I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. Um, but no, I take I, I take what um uh, what you're saying. Like, I think maybe it's a and I find this a lot more with TV shows than I do with movies. But there is almost that thing of that that fear of that. Am I going to start this and it's going to be a waste of my time? Right. Um, and you do typically then think, you know, in your case, Andy, I'll I'll rewatch an episode of The Office instead, or um, or or something along those lines. You do, you know. Um, whereas, yeah, taking that leap. Whereas, I think certainly when I was when I was younger, I probably, like I said, I, I would have just literally found anything and everything that I can that I could watch. And certainly, that's something that I probably want to be more inclined to um, uh, to just jump in and watch something and enjoy it. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting point. Um, I, I, no, no, I think it's I think it's a really interesting point though. That's the purpose of the podcast, isn't it? Do, do we recommend this film for people who are in the same situation as we're in? We've all got young children. We all have to mm. go through that routine of bedtime and this that, and the other. And then we sit down to relax. Do we have time to watch it? So I don't think it's off on a tangent. I think it's really important that we actually have that discussion and, about a film and like. It and it taps into another thing because like typically like when as we discussed when this film came out you you get this like very slow transition from it was in the cinemas and then like yeah one two years later it's it's out on VHS um whereas nowadays we have like everything from the 90s 80s beyond everything that's coming out right this instant because there are a lot of things that are being released and so there's even more of a challenge of um you know is this something that is is working is it really the classic that it um uh, that it uh, proclaims itself to be because it's right there and i i've got access to it um and and then there's so many films that could fit in that same category i'm sure i've seen that this this meme where someone's sort of saying yeah i said i hadn't seen this movie and so i added it to the list of movies that does not exist because I am not going to watch it. Um, and it's like, yeah. So yeah. I think that's another part of it is, yeah, is if this keeps on coming up on your recommended or you watch this, so you should watch that. Mm-hmm. Should I actually pay attention to that recommendation or whatever? Interesting what well, you, you said something there a minute ago. It's kind of, I can't remember the words you used, but the idea that this film is so iconic, it's legendary, whatever, you know, whatever term you want to use for it. Do you think this film warrants the amount of praise it garners from people? Because people are um, sycophantic to a degree about this film. You know, this film is, is, is held up as the pinnacle of performances from De Niro, from... Al Pacino, who are seen as the pinnacle of their kind of acting generation. So do you think this film deserves the amount of praise it gets 25 years on? That's a damn good question. Um, I'm going to say from, and and obviously Andy, this is more your ballpark than mine, but I think from from a purely filmmaking standpoint, 
I think it does. I think it does so much with the material that it has and doesn't have. Because let's not forget, 95 is kind of where people were playing around with CGI. They were playing around with different ways of making films. And this film is still able to make something back in 95 that feels completely fresh, but using old school methods. There's nothing that I would go to and say, oh yeah, that's clearly... um, uh, that's clearly a, a 90s kind of trope. You know, they're, they're doing what used to be done back in the 90s. Uh, the only example I can think of right now is, is very poor CGI because it was just kind of becoming a thing, although it was more the late 90s than the, the, the early to mid. This does feel, and I know we've said it before, this feels straight out of the 80s. So I think it's using old school techniques, but it's, I think it's using it in such a way that the film put together um, deserves the recognition that it gets. Is it pinnacle? I don't know. I mean, I suppose the other thing you could kind of put it up against is how does this stand up to something like The Godfather with the same two actors? You know, <clears throat> does it? So that's really interesting. I had this conversation with Alice um, when I, I was watching this and was talking to her about that because I used The Godfather as an example. And then I thought back, and this is really controversial on a film podcast. I watched the Godfather series not that long ago, about six months ago, and I watched the three of them back to back, so over a few days. I think the Godfather films might be overrated. <laughs> right. And actually, I know, and that's really controversial. I know that. And don't get me wrong, there are moments in those films that are great, but there are moments in those films that are so boring. Yeah. Like, they drag out those films. And for me, there are moments in Heat that feel like that. That oh, where we've got this storyline, and actually, you know, the action scenes are so good that I wanted more of it. I wanted yeah. less guff in between the action. And, you know, that's just me. I'm a simple-minded person. You know, I I've kind of I've I've almost gone through like a dip in my life where I kind of really appreciate art in film and then i've kind of just nosedived into just give me just give me action just give me stuff just throw <laughs> it my face throw as much action as much cool stuff at a screen as he can i don't care about the substance and then i'm kind of slowly coming back out the other side of that but i'm still at a point where that kind of that story that dragging out the real life story i'm bored of it i don't need it I think um, to your point about you know the the question does it does it um, deserve the praise? I think the challenge with something like this is it's really hard to watch it like in isolation, like to watch it without being subjective. Like we we we're coming at it very much as you know it is this is this this film that has these classic scenes that has these these renowned actors um, working together, you know, and um, and I think it's it's almost maybe there's a tendency that you would come at it from two different ways. Maybe you would come at it knowing, you know, finding reasons not to like it. So you can be the contrarian that's like, that's a terrible film. I actually thought that Paul Blart Moorcock was better just so you've got something weird to say. Um, or, yeah, or from, there are from the other are... end. Yeah. Or, or you can take it from the other side that maybe there's the risk that you come at it and you, you kind of like, well, it's, it must be good because so many other people say it's good. Um, and so I think it's it's tough to to be able to kind of separate those those things out. Um, I always think 
to your point, you know, if you watch this a long time ago and then you come back to it, um, do I, as maybe a slightly more mature person with different viewpoints, different experiences, do I think the same thing of it? And there are certainly films that I watch back now and I'll be like, that's not as good as I thought it was. Um, but for, for me, I do think it deserves that. I'm happy to say that. I'm happy to be, go along with the crowd, so to speak, and say that I do think it deserves it. And in fact, I, I probably reverse. I probably found uh, that the pacing was maybe better for me this, this time okay. through. Maybe because I knew what I was looking out for and it was building up and I was getting ready for it. But yeah. I think as a teenager, I really bought into that this is one of the best films ever made kind of situation amongst my peers. So I really kind of, and then watching it back, I kind of, I think, took my own approach to it, which is, you know, I, I, I don't think it's one of the best films ever made. Um, and don't get me wrong, I don't think this is a bad film. And that's really important. I'm, I'm really, I know that, I've, that my last few points perhaps sound really negative and that, you know, they shouldn't because, this is a brilliant film and I don't, I don't want you know to take that away this is an excellent film um i just remember it being legendary and watching it back i felt really kind of disappointed that it wasn't what i remembered it as um and it's interesting because as i mentioned at the beginning when i first watched this i was a bit younger than i think both of you because I caught it in the in the late '90s when it came out on VHS, probably in Blockbusters where we got it from, and um, I was bored stiff, absolutely bored stiff. But this time around, you know, many many years later, I appreciated the storytelling side of things, which I didn't appreciate the first time around. All I wanted the first time around was the action, whereas this time um, I I could much better appreciate where the characters were coming from because I got it. I, I, I now have experience in life with relationships and all sorts, um, and I could relate to the characters a bit better. Don't get me wrong. My life is nothing like these lives. Their lives are horrible. I mean, it, it's absolutely messed up. But um, I, I could appreciate as an adult what was happening on screen, whereas as a very young teenager, there's no way I got it. And, and I was bored stiff. So this time around, I loved it. Um, I, I thought it was a fantastic film. Is it one of the best films ever made? I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's a great film, but it could be overhyped, especially after the last 25 years. It's still put on that pedestal. Mm. I, I feel in a very similar way. And... Dude, there, there were so many films out around that time that I was watching at that time and have, then have re-watched recently. And two films, which are De Niro and Pacino, that really stand out for me around this time are Glengarry Glen Ross, which I couldn't tell you what year. I'm going to say 1991. It was early 90s. And then you've got Goodfellas, which was, again, early 90s, 1990, that sort of time and those two films for me are better and it, uh, controversial uh, but I think you could watch both of those films in the time you could watch this film <laughs> so uh, you know I, I don't know Goodfellas, Goodfellas is is pretty I, I've got an, like a, a very early DVD of that where you have to switch the DVD over. Oh yeah, carry on okay. with the film. yeah. So that's that's again that's another that's another long that's an investment. Um, yeah. getting into that, I've got yeah. a um. I don't know if I've said this on the pod before, so please stop me if I if I have. 
but little uh, little anecdote about Goodfellas. Um, so I was watching it. I dug out the disc a while back because um, maybe it wasn't on streaming or whatever, and um, uh, been watching it. Um, and uh, anyway, a couple of days later, took a DVD back to the library that Amelie had borrowed. Um, they gave us a ring. Um, there's the wrong disc in here. So I'd given them Goodfellas for like uh, Barbie, uh, Barbie, whatever magic. <laughs> Good job they'd spotted it. Can you before, imagine? Uh, that would have made the front page of the paper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, so, you've yeah, not we, told that before. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, my wife had to go in there and sheepishly go and get it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, um, Glenn, um, uh, Goodfellas was 1990 and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross was 92. So you're pretty spot on. Right. There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So early 90s. Mm. I think both of these films demonstrate both of those actors acting capabilities better. Um, and I think that they're both films that you can become super invested in. Now, don't get me wrong, complete all three of those films, Heat, Goodfellas, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, totally different genres. Okay. So different, completely different. Um, but for me, um, I think because Goodfellas is historical, it doesn't seem to have aged as much. Glengarry Glen Ross has aged horribly, but is still quite iconic. And whereas Heat just felt aged. I can appreciate that. And yeah, I think you know it's a, it's a, it's a mid nineties film that's been made using late eighties techniques, and yeah. I think that adds to. It aging, I'm not going to say poorly, but it's very much of its era. It's like you, you, it feels much older than what it is, and it's already 25 years old. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, I, I'm sounding negative when I say all of this. It is a good film, and I know I'm kind of like switching back and forth. But that's good. That, that's 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 the probably, whole point. That's why we discuss. We're probably. We'll probably, unless you guys have got anything else that you think you want to, we're probably naturally hitting a a kind of uh, a recommendations point yeah. there. I think we're all probably we're all probably pulling up to our final positions. I would have thought. Yeah. Uh, so, should we go for it? Unless anyone else has got yeah, I, I think yeah. the reason that we've we've taken it. I don't know about you guys, but I've gone back and forth in the last twenty minutes. <laughs> we especially yeah. taking on board what both of you have said about about whether I am. So that's that's why I keep talking. I said I don't think I've made up my mind yet. Yeah, so I'm more than happy to kick this off if you like. Does that work? Yeah. So um, I I'm not going to recommend this film, and it's not because it's not a good film it's simply because it's too long. Um, I think if you've got an evening to sit down and watch a film, this, is, this isn't the film. Um, I think if you've got time, if all of a sudden the kids are away for a weekend, definitely put this film on because it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. Pacino and De Niro are fabulous. And as soon as you can kind of get over the fact the film's 25 years old and it feels a bit old, it's great. And the action scenes are fabulous. There's a lovely bit of kind of sexual chemistry in there as well. It's lo- it's a really, it's a great film. So I'm not recommending it with a caveat unless you have ample amounts of time to watch it. Am I allowed to do that? Yeah, we, we've done okay. caveats. Yeah, we, we've done we caveats always, before. We always have okay. <laughs> Fine, okay, cool. Because it is difficult because, you know, different parents... Um, different business owners, what have you, they have different different time restraints. And I think one day we should probably go into our viewing habits because I got I've got a sneaky suspicion that 
watching these films, I do it in a very different manner to, you to are, you. yeah, you are abnormal in the way you watch. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas I, I, I can fun at because I, 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 I tend to watch things in two or three uh, sittings. Uh, and uh, and then Matt gives me a little pat on the head when I manage to watch something in one go. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'll I'll yeah I'll go I'll go next if that's okay. I mean, um, for me, um, it has stood the test of time. Um, you know, there are a couple of things that that do a point to its age quite um, uh, obviously. Um, but that said, uh, I think it is a I think it is a classic action movie. I think you can see its um, impact on so many different um, movies, in particular if you're a fan of, of Christopher Nolan. Um, you know, you, you, this is almost kind of one you want to go back to and see kind of that real kind of uh, physical um, uh, filmmaking style. Um, and I think I would say in terms of time, you don't go in with don't go in um expecting something short you know it is a it's an investment but it's worth it's worth making the time for um so i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna i'm not gonna make any caveats i'm just gonna say i'm recommending it nice Ooh, sure. before i before i put mine through um i'm gonna read matt's um because uh, we we have a, a group where we chat and and matt's put in his verdict sadly matt couldn't be here today um his his business is is really busy at the moment so nice one matt it's good to hear that you're busy especially with all this covid stuff that we're kind of coming at the end of but it's still hanging about and it's such a shame you couldn't make it because reading this i don't think matt's seen this before and it would have been really nice to get a point of view of someone who hasn't seen heat but he said, I would absolutely 100% recommend Heat. One of the best movies I've seen for a long time. Can't believe I kept putting it off. So it would have been really nice to have Matt here because he's he's never seen it. Um, that, that would have been really interesting yeah. from someone who was watching it for the first time now. Absolutely. Because I think that's the one perspective that we are missing right now. We have all seen this before. Matt yeah. hasn't. So maybe if we can catch up with him, I'll... Um, I'll get him to record a little something and uh, chuck it in at the end of an episode sometime. Um, but but for now, yeah, Matt would 100% recommend it regardless of of whatever, I suppose. So, Damo, that leaves you now because we're... Uh, yeah, is it, am I going to break a deadlock or make a deadlock? Um, uh, like I said, I've been going back and forth on this. So, uh, originally, I was just going to recommend it. I thought it was absolutely fab. I still think it's fantastic, regardless of whatever I say in the next 30 seconds. Um, I, I think that the acting is on point, but it feels a little bit muted. Like, they're not they're not given enough to to showcase their their acting capabilities. They, they've done more with other characters in other films. I'm talking about... Um, Pacino uh, and to be fair, quite a few of these characters, which which is a shame given that it's a two hour and fifty minute film. You think there'd be enough of them to sink their teeth into, but when they are on screen, it's absolutely electric. And the the fact that De Niro and Pacino meet and they have that diner scene is it's it's all phenomenal. And I I know we've said that it's aged, but I I don't mind that in a film. I'm well, I'm probably the one he'll happily watch anything really um oh i hate you both um <laughs> okay all right based on 
the fact that I enjoyed it as an adult, hated it as a child. My point of view has definitely shifted over the years for sure. The, the runtime doesn't put me off. So I'm going to recommend this film um, based on purely the strength of the film. If for some reason, like Matt, you've never seen it before, it's definitely worth making the time to watch it. Although, as busy parents, that is a damn sight easier said than done. Because, um, you know, our kids will go to bed at seven-ish. And what you've got to bear in mind is that you're not going to finish this film until 10-ish. And that's if you put it bang on at seven o'clock in the evening. So, yeah, I think the time is going to be uh, an issue. But if you can make the time, watch it. And, and I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to recommend it. Finally, I've come to a decision. That hurt. <laughs> that, was, that was torturous. That was torture. It was you t- got there. I've never been so indecisive in my life. <laughs> um, so there we go. We have uh, three recommends, one not recommend. Obviously, one of the reasons that we, we try and do this as a, as a four is because, listeners, you are naturally going to agree with one of us four more than the other three. Um, so I suppose it kind of depends on who you would normally align with. If you align with Andy, don't watch it. If you align with Sam, go watch it. It's entirely up to you at the end of the day. We're just here to try and kind of help out. Go for it, Andy. Don't watch it if you don't have time. <laughs> yes, sorry, if you don't have time. Okay. What's, watch what's it important? even if you don't have time. Make compromises, <laughs> make bad decisions, stay up yes, late, make bad neglect dec- your family and <laughs> <laughs> children in cages and watch but, it. Yeah. What I absolutely love is that recommended or not, every single one of all four of us enjoyed the film and realised and, and, and appreciate how good it is, um, which, which is absolutely fab. Yeah, it's, it is an amazing film. Um, but again, you've, you've got some serious things to think about before you go and watch a three hour film, i.e. do you have the time with kids and jobs and, you know, life, or are you going to neglect all that like Sam? Um, so I'm expecting divorce <laughs> papers through any moment now. <laughs> no, there we go. Um, so, gentlemen, would you like to add anything before we wrap up? Uh, uh, only, only to say um, it'd be really, really interesting to hear other people's thoughts. So obviously it kind of links into the normal outro, but let us know what you think. If you have previously watched this and we've given you a nudge to go back and you, you know, have a different experience or if it stands up, We'd love to hear hear from you and um, hear if you agree with us or if you disagree. Um, and uh, yeah, so you, I guess you can find us on the socials, um, Facebook, where it tends to be where most of the conversation comes up. But I think we're also on Instagram and, and Twitter as well. So search Parents on Pictures podcast. Absolutely. Uh, we are predominantly on Anchor and Spotify, although Spotify owns Anchor, so it's pretty much null and void these days. But we're also on other places like Apple Podcast and wonderful stuff like that, which is fab. Um, other than that, I have nothing more to say. Gentlemen, say bye-bye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye now. <laughs>